Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Michael Reed on LMFM. Monday morning, the 11th of November. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. Just under 600,000 people who do not have a private or an occupational pension will be enrolled into a scheme by the government in 2022. Minister Regina Doherty says workers aged between the ages of 23 and 60 who earn more than €20,000 a year will have money deducted from their pay, whether they can afford it or not. A recent iReach survey found that 26% of people who do not have a pension say they cannot afford one. In a relatively rare interview with her local radio station, we will ask the Minister this morning about her pension plans. We'll also ask her about if she intends spending taxpayers' money on going to court to challenge the Data Protection Commission, an office government funds to the tune of about 17 million euro a year in order to make independent findings uh, that protect the public. And we'll also ask Minister Doherty why she could not find a suitable person to act as a media advisor to her for a salary of 101,114 euro or less and why she needs to pay her spin doctor 6,000 euro a year more than that. And the Minister has already eight staff in her office. She's already got four constituency staff. She's most likely to have two civilian drivers currently. And she has a, a press office within her department whose job it is to make sure that the projects she's involved in within her department are communicated properly uh, to the general public. And what she's doing is, by spending this money, she's spending the equivalent to three and a half staff nurses on an individual who is simply creating a message uh, for the uh, protection of the Minister herself. Minister Regina Doherty is with us. Good morning to you, Minister, and thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, today. Uh, as I say, there's uh, quite a, a bit for us uh, to discuss, but perhaps uh, we could talk uh, about uh, the money there that we heard about uh, that would pay for the equivalent of three and a half staff nurses. Uh, you're spending it on a, a media advisor, a spin doctor. You're breaching uh, the government cap on salaries. Why so? thing I'll say to you is I think good communications is incredibly important. Um, I think one of the criticisms that would be yielded against um, government, and this is any government, is that it's not just good enough to do what you're doing in the interest of people. They have to know exactly what you're doing. And so when I went looking last year uh, for somebody, obviously I went looking for the best. I think you and I well know we've been uh, debating in this studio for nearly 10 years now that I have a habit of sometimes putting not just one foot into my own mouth, but two foot or two feet when I open my mouth. So I went looking mm. for the best. 
Um, we interviewed quite a number of people. Is that why you went people. to ground over the course of the last couple of years? As I said at the outset, it's a relatively rare interview with the Minister, who, as I said to you, O'Connell, who first reported on this story, used to come on at the drop of a hat to talk about the weather or the price of peas, but today is quite often not available well, because, because as job, I said, Michael, just to finish the point, as I said to you, O'Connell, it's the same minister who said maybe Enda Kenny should retire. I think um, I'm privileged enough to be a senior cabinet minister for the last two and a half years. Um, Leo appointed me to the largest department in the state with some 21 billion euros worth of a budget. I have six and a half thousand staff in every single town and county in the country. Um, It's an incredible privilege to be this position, uh, to have this position, and I take it very, very seriously. Mm. And so... Um, the amount of time I probably do have to do media um, is probably a lot diminished. And I think that's the right thing to do. But that's why it's so important when you do do media that it has to be good, effective uh, and well communicated. Mm. We have and you don't shoot yourself in the foot by saying something like, and Kenny should retire. Uh, some people uh, would make Well, I think claim. all you're doing is describing how much I have matured over the last couple of years as a politician. So Or anyway. disappeared, uh, been no, kept out haven't. of the media, uh, perhaps, Actually, uh, by I'm a professional. Uh, some people would say uh, there are people in this world who know the price of anything but no, don't know the value of anything. No, I think uh, in fairness, Michael, I'm probably one of the most vocal money? cabinet ministers that we have. Is it value for a money minister to spend on a spin doctor the same amount of money that would pay for three and a half staff nurses well, as Padder being was claiming I there? think, well, first of all, Padder said a lot of things that were not true and I think he plucked his statistics out of the sky, which is not unusual for him, right? Um, the first thing I'll say to you is, is that every government minister has two advisors. One to help us with policy and the presentation of policy and one to help us with communications. Mm. I think what was attempted to be done by Padder, which is an awful pity because his party have communications help, as did he have when Sinn Féin for donkey's years. Um, it's good communications, I think, is a vital part of a good democracy. To be transparent and available and to be able to explain yourself what you're doing in the work of your department, I think, is vital. What I think is an awful pity is that we're seeking to demonise a person who is a civil servant for the last 25 years for moving from one government agency to another on exactly the same terms and conditions, with the exception now is that he has a hell of a lot more pressure and a hell of a lot more. He now works seven days a week as opposed to his five days a week. And I think that's a pity. Every si- Excuse me, every single cabinet minister has um, two advisors and I have two advisors Mm. and it's no different. He moved on his existing terms and conditions from one government agency to another. Oh, and I think that was made clear in all of the discussions we've had up to now. And it isn't uh, an issue of personalising this, I don't think. I think it is an issue of the government agreeing on what the maximum salary for such a role should be and then deciding... We can't get anybody for less than €101,000. That doesn't make a, a lot of sense to a lot of people listening to us this well, morning. Well, I think, in, in essence, in this particular case, and so when the gentleman moved, um, the person that replaced him was taken on, who will only be replacing him for the time of his secondment, because when he finished with me, obviously, he goes back to his former a good position. Well, that's the civil service for you. Mm. I mean, they have a, a tremendous responsibility and a very difficult job in mm. a lot of circumstances. And so when he finishes with me, he will go back to his previous job job on exactly the same conditions mm. that he left it on. But could you not I think that's find only somebody? right and fair. D- could I you? think that's only right and fair. And could what I was going to say to finish the subject is that the person that has replaced him in his current mm. or former role Suzanne Coogan. is on mm. significantly less than For, what he would have been on. Um, uh, and so uh, in actual uh, fact, former, there's a savings uh, uh, to the former, state, Michael, not uh, uh, an expense. Uh, a a former advisor to Minister Nocton, I think. Uh, could you not find somebody we for a hundred thousand euros? A significant number of interviews, yeah. But really, I, I think I got the best, Michael. Okay, well, I think I did. Well.
delighted for you. I'm sure people are as well. Uh, and when Well, I think in fairness, as you have just said, that you will see a marked improvement in my communication skills over the last 12 months. And so there, I think uh, I think I did get the best. Yeah. OK, very good. Mm-hmm. Leave people uh, to make up their own minds uh, on whether that is value for money, because let's not forget it is their money uh, that uh, you're talking about. Uh, and uh, let's, As uh, is every public servant paid for by the state. Mm. Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, and let's uh, talk uh, about uh, the money that's uh, spent on the Data Protection Commissioner. Uh, and... The seventy million that the government gives to that office on an annual basis, and you're considering taking that office to court. Can you make sense of that? Well, I certainly can because I think she's wrong, um, and I think it's incumbent upon me to defend my uh, department's policy and my government's policy. And I think she's got it wrong. But I do find myself in a very unusual legal limbo, Michael, insofar as that I don't have anything to take or to test in a court of law yet. Mm. So we await an enforcement notice that I'm told is imminent and when it's imminent or when it's received, we Mm. will look at it obviously carefully and consider what it says and then make a decision as to whether we need to challenge it or don't. And the enforcement order that you're talking about is one that would require uh, government departments to stop using the public services card that is outside of social welfare purposes and to delete the information on three and a half million or or thereabouts that has already been collated. So there's a couple of things that she has um, intimated in the findings of the report that she issued to us in the middle of August. Well she spelled out a little bit more than intimated. I mean, she's basically said that the government is acting illegally. Well, again, if that's the case, then we would welcome an enforcement notice Mm. so that the government can respond to the report findings, Mm. because the findings have no legal basis at the moment. But, yeah, she's she's under the impression that our legislation doesn't empower us uh, to make decisions across all government's departments. We obviously disagree. Um, She's under the impression that we shouldn't be keeping uh, retention uh, of the people's data that they have Mm. given us, for example, uh, an ESB bill or a phone bill so that you can prove where you live, road, you know, 123 road A, Mm. Had a county louds. Uh, we disagree. Um, the structure of our legislation defines it such that as long as somebody is a recipient um, of a service of the Department of Social Welfare, we have to keep these information mm. uh, on file, as has been instructed by the Ombudsman, that when we don't, we can't contest cases. And so you have two different competing arms of the state here telling mm. us different stuff. But we're quite comfortable, I think, with um, our legal position and are quite happy to defend that legal position so mm. as to continue a policy that provides efficient government services to the three and a half million people who have a PSC card. So. Yeah, and when you say she has a, a view, you mean Helen Dixon, the commissioner. Well, it's the commissioner. But it it, it's the office. I mean, it's a, a little bit more detailed than that sounded or may have sounded to some people listening. And just to put it into context, we're yeah. talking about a very big office that spent two years carrying out an investigation into the legality of this card. Yeah. And they published a very substantial report and found it to be illegal. And that is pretty much the state's view because it's the state that funds this body well, to no, act independently true, uh, to act independently as a watchdog in order to protect the public. So uh, the taking state- taking this office to court is a little bit like taking on Gardaíshia College to court, is it not? No, of course it's not. And the legislation that underpins or that governs the Data Protection Office and mm. the Commissioner um, leaves room for anybody to challenge them. So that's like saying that if the Data Protection Commission investigated you, Mike Reed, mm. and decided that you were A, B and C, mm. that you didn't have a right or a legal right to challenge that. Of course, everybody has a legal right to challenge everything in this country. That's our democracy. Mm. So the difficulty I have, though, Michael, is that there was a fanfare of a report issued um, in uh, in the middle of August uh, with a set of serious with, instructions. Which you had cited a year before. With 
No, no, we didn't. We got the report on the 15th of August. Yes, but you had the draft report. Which was, was significantly different to the report. Oh, well, that's that was not what issued. Helen Dixon said. Well, then, Helen okay, Dixon gave doctors differ, say- Michael, and patients die. So what, what were the, the report signif- is significantly different. Can, can you different. tell us what the significant differences were? So there were. was four of the recommendations in the draft report had disappeared. There was some 60 new pages of documentation um, that we had never seen before. There was significant difference, differences mm. between the draft. Uh, but like that's, that's neither here nor there. The report was issued on the 15th of August. The commissioner said that there, there was no significant difference in the findings. Well, I disagree. There were 70 new pages on the findings. And so I'm not sure what she thinks is contained in the findings, but there were 70 new pages. There was a series of recommendations from the draft report that had just been dropped with mm. no explanation. But either way, the heel of the hunt is on the 15th mm. of August, we were given a set of instructions with timelines of seven days, 21 days uh, and 60 days, um, all of which has no legal basis. Mm. Uh, and we await an enforcement notice. And I said to you, when and if it comes, we will study it very carefully. And if it disagrees with what we believe is the legal mm. right and authority that we have under the, under the, the 2005 legislation, well then we'll have no choice but to defend government policy and the delivery of public sector services to um, the three and a half million people who have a PSC card. W- when you prove uh, the Commissioner wrong, I presume she'll have to go. Well, I don't think you, like everybody is entitled I mean, to a view on the law and that's mm. why we have courts, Michael. So she has one set of opinions uh, on her interpretation and her office's interpretation of the law. Uh, we have a different interpretation yeah. of the you law. You see, like a lot of people listening so, to us this morning, Minister, I got up very early to come into work and uh, I did that so as I could earn a living and yeah. uh, when I go home at the end of the week, I look at my payslip and a, a lot of it will be gone in taxes and that will in part be used to pay for things like the Data Protection Commissioner. 17 million of euro... Uh, of government money goes to that office. And if that office is making findings against the government, which result in this farcical situation of the government being in court against the commission, well, then somebody has to go. Uh, If the government proves to be right in all of this, surely there's questions about uh, if the commissioner's role is tenable or not. Well, I don't think so. I think the um, Data Protection Commission office that we have is held in the highest of esteem, and not just in Ireland, I think Mm. right across the globe. Um, she is an incredibly respected lady, but mm. we, like we talk about the commission as if it is only Helen Dixon. There are some hundreds mm. of people working Absolutely, there. Absolutely. Yes, um, yes, there's yes. an incredible amount of mm. talent, both legal and policy basis. The simple fact of the matter here is that we have a different interpretation of a piece mm. of legislation. So you have a view, I have a different view. The only person that can adjudicate on which one of us is right is a court of law. But as uh, I said to you, Michael, mm. I don't have something mm. that's legally challengeable at the moment. And until I do, I can't tell you what we're going to to do next other than continue on providing an efficient public service to people Um, who some three and a half million Irish citizens who have a PSE card that want to be able to access government services in an efficient and timely manner. And do you accept that if uh, the courts find in favour of uh, the government uh, will in effect be the court saying that the government is the only soldier marching in line uh, because your view is at odds not just with the Data Protection Commissioner it's at odds with the Irish Council for Civil Liberties, uh, Digital Rights Ireland uh, and many uh, good minds and have And in the context when we have these this. conversations Michael nobody ever tells me is that our government decision is in line with the 3.5 million people who have volunteered to get a PSE card so they can access public services in an efficient manner. Did they volunteer? At the end of the day well, would people get invited to come in. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's nobody going to what, what drag you into a, an intro office what, to make what you was sit that, down and have what, what, what was that uh, piece of media advice you got at 107,000 euro or whatever to come up with this thing of compulsory uh, but uh, not obligatory well, actually, oh, what was it sorry of, just remind me because it was so bizarre of all of the findings yeah. that the Data Protection Commission's office issued on the 15th mm. of August the only one that reconfirms 
uh, my position of last year is the first finding, which says that it is um, compulsory for uh, all social welfare services. And so mm. I think that media uh, advice I got was spot on. Uh, and what, what, what about people who wanted passports or wanted to get Susie grants? Or? Again, I, I, it's a misnomer. You don't use a PSE card to get a Susie grant. I know the, protect- mm. the, the, the office said that you did, but it has never been a requirement to, mm. to do a Susie appeal. Um, and yes, yes, you absolutely can get a passport today if you have a PSE card in the post within two days, mm. which is a hell of a lot more efficient than it used to be and when you had you, to go to the guard, the station, get your photographs yeah. signed, go into Mount Street, you know, oh, yes, all but of it you, is much more efficient. You, but again, I said to Michael, if you don't have a card and you, you don't, have, you don't have it, a card. well, if you don't have it, then mm. you do it the old way. Mm. Like, it's all about choice. It's not about making anybody do anything. It's all about choice. If you want to get government services in a really fast, mm. efficient online manner, then a PSE card will so help you, you do that. You, and if you don't, then so, go back so, to the so old way. Can choose to be part of a mandatory scheme. Well, no, it is mandatory for social welfare mm, payments. Okay. And that's what the law is. So. Let's uh, talk uh, about pensions then, if we can, Minister. Uh, I mean, there's obviously uh, a crisis looming and uh, we need to do something uh, about uh, an ageing population and uh, a population that is not uh, preparing for getting older and retiring yeah. and so on. Uh, and this scheme that you've come up with uh, will see uh, people... Uh, sign into pension schemes and their employers contribute to it. Will the government be giving anything to it? We will. So, like, so first of all, it's not a crisis. Um, but what we definitely have is a situation now where people are living longer and much more healthier lives. And when you retire at 66, like years ago, when people would retire, most people would have passed away by the time they were 70. Now, thankfully, people are living till well into their 80s and their 90s, and it's great. And so what we've got is in the public sector, two-thirds of people who are currently working don't save anything um, to yield themselves from what Mm. will be a salary decrease once they reach 66. Excuse me. So what we're trying to do is to introduce um, a pension saving scheme that will incentivise people in the public sector to save a few bob now, uh, incentivised by matching funds from their employer and a top-up payment by the state, so that when they do get to 66, they'll have more money than the state pension to live on. Mm. Um, and then to be able to do more stuff. Um, and in what, their what, what if they can't uh, afford? So then they, they just opt out, Michael. So I know so, you said that mm-hmm. in your preamble, yeah. that we'd be taking money off people who can't afford it. We won't. People well, can you, opt you, out if they want to yeah, opt out. And they, but they'll be opted in for six months, won't they? They'll be opted yeah. in for the first mm. six months. Yeah. And um, then they can go one, look for the money back. At one and a half percent. Mm. So yeah. the, the, the scheme is going to start hopefully in 2022. Yeah. Um, it'll take 10 years to bed in. Um, we will start deducting one and a half percent of people's wages. It'll be matched by one and a half percent of your employees' matching funds and then the state will top mm. you up. And over the next 10 years, that will go from one and a half percent to three percent to four and a half percent to six percent, mm. equally matched by your employees yeah. or your employers' funds and the top up by the state. At any point after the six months, you can opt out and get your money back. It's mm. no problem. Okay, and you're not going to see your pay increase obviously by 6%, are you? Well, over the next 10 years, I mean, the average pay increases mm. at the moment is just under 3%. Yeah, but, That's what wages are increasing But employers are will have by. to put it into pension schemes for people now, so they're not going to increase pay. Well, if, if at the moment your pay is increasing by 3% and next yes. year your, mm. your employee has to put one and a half of that into your pension scheme, mm. well, then that'll be part of your negotiations. Mm. And that's why we've listened. We did a, a really long So this is effectively a pay cut for people? No, it's, well, first of all, they haven't received it yet, so it certainly can't mm. be a cut. We did a but, public uh, consultation well, over the last 18 months. Some 300 people mm. made written submissions to us. Mm. We did roadshows in all of the main cities um, and a tremendous amount of people showed up for them. The straw man that was issued for the purposes of that conversation is very different to the memo that I brought to Cabinet mm. last week because we listened to the suggestions that both employees and employers made to us mm. and we changed the model. Because at the end of the day, when this goes live in 2022, what I'm absolutely adamant about is that I will have the buy-in of the vast majority of people who they will be positive 
positively affected by the changes. Mm. Um, employers, you know, your natural response you, is probably to think that employers won't want to do this. In the absolute main, employers have come and told us that they care about their mm. employees. They want to provide for them in their But they only have so years. much money. They do, yes. And yeah. that's why we've mm. taken on board their advice to slow down. The original mm. straw man was to introduce it um, over six years at a 1% increase mm. each year for the six years. They've asked us to slow down the phase-in yeah. process and we've done it now. So, 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 so they can, off- so they can offset what they're putting into pensions by not increasing pay. Well, no, because employees, employers, Michael, will get the opportunity to d- make deductions of their tax bill, mm. whatever they're paying. Yes, uh, but into every the time they increase pay, 6% will come out of, uh, you know, it's an additional cost. No, not necessarily, yes. because what they'll be able to do is, is when they do their tax returns at the end of every year, mm. they will be able to deduce the amount of pension contributions that they've made. So you can't deduct it twice. Mm. Like, that wouldn't be tolerated. And so, yes, the phase-in project or prospective years has been asked us to be increased from six years to ten years, which we've done that. Mm. Uh, we've listened to employers insofar as that if there are companies in difficulties, they have to have appeal mechanisms. We've listened to everything that they've given us, mm. uh, all the suggestions over the, pu- uh, the public consultation period. Um, and we've changed the model, and that's the Cabinet memo and, that I brought and, and, two and, weeks ago. And will it be a state scheme, or will it be some company who will oversee this that is in it for making a profit? Well, so there's no profit to be made in this scheme. Um, the state will establish what we're going to call a central processing authority. Um, there is some suggestions at the moment that maybe somebody like the NTMA or the Revenue Commissioners can, can do it and we haven't reached a final conclusion. We won't mm. do that between so now and January. it will be January. a state-led scheme. It'll be a state uh, authority and then there will be options for you as a private sector worker to be able to pick either a state option or a private sector option. In equal measures, um, people distrust the state and the industry probably in equal measures and so I'm uh, absolutely adamant I'm going to give people choice. So when you opt in or when you're automatically enrolled on you know, January 2022 you will have the choice to pick your provider and you'll have a choice to pick your risk so you'll have a low risk, a medium risk uh, or a moderate risk. But the choice is yours the pension pot will be yours you'll be able to see it on a monthly basis by logging on to the Central Processing Authority's website with your own passcode. You'll be able to see your pension pot grow and if you leave LMFM you know, in the middle of that year, your pension pot will travel with you to your new employer. So mm-hmm. we're trying to make it as simple as possible, try to cap um, the expenses so that nobody is going to get rich off the back of these 600,000 people. But just to ensure that when people reach a retirement age of 66 um, or 67 in the future, mm-hmm. that they'll have an extra few bob over and above the state pension. Or a hundred as the case may be. Minister, yeah. we'll leave it there for the moment. Thank you very Thank much, you very for much. coming in. It was nice to see you in here. That's uh, the Minister for Employment Affairs and Social Protection, Regina Doherty. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.